It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Go Birds Pod, a Radio.com podcast about your beloved birds. All right, welcome into Around the Locker Room. John Barger and Elliot Shore Parks here with you after uh, still a satisfying yet ugly win for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles over the Giants. Elliot, how are we feeling this afternoon? I'm happy that we have relevant football to talk about. Like being down at the stadium yesterday prior to that game, you could really feel that I don't want to say fans like gave up on this team because, you know, that's like an insult to the fans. But I don't think that this team had earned the right to kind of have the same fan level interest every week that they had. So just being in that stadium and then when they fell behind 19 to 3, I was just sitting there like, man, this is going to be a long five weeks. Like the trip to L.A., the trip to Dallas, like it's just going to be a long five weeks. Then obviously things change a ton. So I'm just happy that we have relevant, exciting playoff implication football to talk about. Yeah, me too. And uh, I would say that everybody everybody did check out. I mean, there was this entire week. Everybody's like, yeah, we're not we're not going to do anything until we're uh, we get a little bit of juice and. Uh, thankfully, the Eagles yeah. went in and did that. And the big discussion points of, you know, uh, you were down there, Lane Johnson had mentioned it, Malcolm Jenkins had said it on both sides of football. We're reacting to it on the show saying, like, wow, this is, uh, there was a great day for Jim Schwartz. And honestly, it was a pretty good day for Doug Peterson, too, in the way they adjusted and the way Josh Adams did it. And now it seems like a lot of people want to give all the players the credit for telling the coaches, hey, we should be doing this, that, and the other. Where do you come out on that yeah, side? That's a, because I think it's, it's weird, that it, storyline. Yeah, I, I, I never really buy into that. If, if they say, hey, this is working or that's not working, that happens every day. People are going, well, why didn't Doug Peterson figure this out? Why didn't Jim Shorts figure this out? There's a lot of other things to question. I don't think that's one of them personally. Well, and the weird thing is that like the players contributing to the plays and to the game plan, like that's really nothing new. I mean, Carson Wentz, it's been written about about how, you know, maybe it's a little overblown sometimes, but he is very involved in the play game planning. Him and Doug meet every week. He's obviously has a bright football mind. Like, so I, I you know, there is that component to it, but it's interesting how it seems like the the narrative from yesterday, just talking to the players was we asked them to simplify it. 
And I understand that there's injuries in the secondary, and that one makes sense. But it seemed like even on offense, they were saying, like, we went back to um, – we, we kind of went back to what worked, kind of simplifying things. And it's interesting because prior to that Giants game back in week six, I think it was, on Thursday night – the narrative too there was, well, we had a short week, so we had to simplify things. And it's kind of interesting that a team that, you know, has a quarterback who, and Carson Wentz, that, you know, we can debate and we probably will in a little bit, like what should be expected of him and that type of thing. But I think is regarded as someone that shouldn't have to be using a simplified playbook. You have a veteran offensive line, you have a veteran center set of receivers, your running backs are a veteran, but the running back position, no offense, it's just not as complicated as a playbook from that stance. Right. So it's a little interesting that they felt like a simplified playbook on offense kind of helped them. I mean, this deep in the season, I don't know. I just, to me, it kind of caught my attention when I heard that. Yeah, a little bit. And I actually was, was saying that I don't mind that. I think you should be simplifying everything all the times, but not because, uh, you know, you, you have uh, really untalented people at secondary and mm-hmm. guys that are still trying to get a grasp on everything. That should be simple all the time. You know, I mean, like, hey – the we're coach we're running the ball this is we should continue to run the ball cool keep doing it that's how it should go you know if something is working and the players tell the coach hey this is working dial up all the plays that look like that until you know they figure it out or we need to adjust and and move again I'm okay with simplifying things in the playbook and and moving forward they needed that personally to me for confidence to be like we can do this we're not total dog shit yeah and they went. They went out and kind of sounds like you were uh, describing Chip Kelly's offense there, my man. Simplified, I mean, uh, move quick. Players don't have to think as much. I mean, that that was Chip's whole thing. Because it's not a bad concept. No. The problem is when you get stuck in it all the time and you don't adjust to it afterwards, which is what got Chip hung up. That's okay to do. And scheme is important. All of those different things are important. We know that. Yeah. But when you when you're getting your ass handed to you and you you need a win. Sometimes you just need to do that again to kind of go and build it back up. Um, and I wonder now, like, what is – how do you feel about the next couple of weeks here? Because I – you know, Redskins and Colt McCoy, I, I think that is 100% a game that they are going to win. It's 100% to me that the Cowboys are going to lose to the Saints on Thursday night. And then you have that battle against, uh, you know, the Cowboys the next week. Where do you kind of – feel the next couple of weeks going yeah so i got a lot of different thoughts on everything you just said first i would say yes i agree the washington game is one they should absolutely win they're favored by seven points to me you know you could argue that seems crazy considering the eagles haven't blown anyone out this year besides the giants once but i just think that this sets up perfectly for them just the spot coming off this win all that but this eagles team has not won two games in a row all season and how many times have we sat here and said, okay, this is the win that gets them going. And they say in the locker room that, you know, it felt good to put it all together and all that, right? So I do think that although I expect them to win, like it's not a game where I would say they're 100% going to win just because the team has shown the consistency is an issue for them. Also, and me and you argued about this a little bit in uh, our spot at the beautiful mattress store. Um, yes, I'm not as down on the Cowboys as everyone else is. So I do think the Saints will beat them, obviously. Like, I do think that is a game where I'd pick the Saints. I wouldn't even say that's 100%, though, just because, you know, I mean, it's at it's in Dallas. Saints are maybe due for one, whatever. Anything can happen. I think the Cowboys are playing well. But at the end of the day, I do think the Eagles will beat the Redskins. The Saints will beat the Cowboys. And, man, this game in Dallas is setting up to just be an absolutely massive one. It is, and I hope that it, you know, and, you know, whatever, you, as you said, anything can happen in the NFL. And we've seen that this team has not been consistent at all. I even said that this is not going to be like a building block 
of it. It could be that they have to go out and do that again. Um, but what was your sense, I guess, from kind of a team standpoint when sitting there to kind of talking to everybody? If everybody seemed to me, at least, that there was a bunch of just Huh. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. A lot, a lot of let's go catch our breath and let's move on. To the next Absolutely. Thing. I mean, Lane Johnson compared them to a dead fish and only had a few more uh, breaths and they basically came back to life. I mean, look, when that Saquon touchdown, when he scored that, I didn't tweet ball. I didn't tweet like that's a season, but I certainly felt like that was ball game just because you hadn't seen this team really fight back at all this year. I mean, this, the Saints loss, I thought people made a little much of that, but obviously they showed zero fight in that in that game. Uh, I mean, the Vikings game, I, if I remember correctly, they were down a bunch and they kind of came back, but really never had a shot to win that at the end. So they haven't really shown that. So I, I think that was that was really good for them. And one thing Carson said after the game that I think is absolutely true. And he tried to talk about it from a team level, but I think more just for him. He said, you know, it was good to kind of show that we could do that, that we could come back in these games, that we could fall behind early and still be able to not give up, you know, score on a big drive on uh, fourth down on the, in the fourth quarter when you need it. And he was talking about the team, but really he should have been talking about himself because he was the one that had those questions. This team has won close games. They won them last year. This year, you know, not as great in them. But overall, I mean, the questions were about Carson. Carson was the one that was 1-12 and with chances to either win or tie the game in the fourth quarter late in his career. And so the fact that he did it twice yesterday, driving him down for that touchdown for the lead and then also driving him down for the game-winning field goal, I thought was my biggest takeaway from this game. I think it was huge for Carson to get that monkey off his back. It was huge for Carson to show himself he could do that. And it makes you more confident going into what should be another you know, close games, you would think. Uh, Washington, Dallas, probably not the Rams, but, you know, those games are going to be close. You're going to need those drives. And Carson now having the confidence to do that, I think, is absolutely huge. And this is where you kind of look at that relationship between, you know, players and coaches, and this was all of what they needed in terms of that, that symbiotic relationship. I trust you, you trust me, <laughs> and that was absolutely displayed against the Giants. I wonder um, if that ends up being, you know, one of most uh, Carson's most important win on the season if they can get it going, if they can win more than two in a row during the season and kind of move on from there. We had we had talked about it this afternoon a little bit, but where I mean, in terms of that was that was a signature Carson Wentz win in his career, and I know it's kind of silly to say cuz it's against the Giants and kind of where it is, but in in terms of where they're at and what they needed, I think it's pretty high up there at least for me. Of uh, of kind of like you said, getting that monkey off their back. Do you do you kind of put any weight on what happened yesterday? Oh, I, I think it was the best win of his career. I think when when Ooh. you look at at what he's done, and you look at some of the close games he's lost, you look at those things. I mean, I just think it was the best win of his career. Look, when you have a franchise quarterback, those are the games you want him to win, where they're absolutely set up to to lose. It looked like a loss, and he just snatches victory from it. That That is what a franchise quarterback is. And look, I know there's been plenty of games where he's blown out bad teams. I'm not saying he played his best football yesterday. He's had games where he's been more impressive. But to me, this is when I think of all the games Carson's played – that's the signature win. I mean, what what would you are what would you say? Yes, I would say that everyone's going to forget about this game, and the only thing that you can really take away from it is Josh Adams. No, no. I well, mean, see, from, that, from that's like another narrative. I think is is a bad narrative because when you look at it, I think like forty six of their last fifty three yards were through the air. Josh Adams was good. Don't get me wrong. Josh Adams only had eighty something yards. I mean, the final touchdown that he had, like. 
I know he I think he brought him in from 15 yards out over four plays, but Carson was good on that drive. I mean, the fourth and one or fourth and two or whatever it was to, to Nelson, that was a big play from Carson. And I know Nelson was open, but he wasn't the first read. Carson found him. So that was a huge play. So, yeah, Josh Adams played well. But to me, Carson's the story of that game. Yeah, no, I, I don't really disagree. I'm just saying, like, I don't think people are going to remember it like that. It's interesting that you put it that way in, in terms of those contexts because, you know, if that's his only – hey, we brought the team back and we were down uh, so many scores. And that's what Scott Kazmir, of course, always likes to say from Football Outsiders, who's a big, dumb, sassafras idiot that yeah. likes to just bring up Carson Wentz's stats all the time when he's losing and doesn't praise him when he's winning. Uh, I get all that. I think this is a very forgetful game in terms of that. So well, what would you say is best it's, one? It's, it's, um, I mean, there's the Monday night against the Redskins, the Panthers, uh, Thursday night football in 2017. I mean, th- those two really jump off, at least for me. If you're talking in terms of putting the team on his back and saying we're going to win this thing, then, yeah, I, I-, I would put that certainly up there. It's just like and-, – and you're right, in terms of best and impressive performances, it certainly wasn't. But getting things going with Zach Ertz at the, at the end of uh, the half to kind of go and do that uh, and then having a great fourth quarter to kind of – you know, punch them to a win. Maybe we should be looking at it that way. I think it's just interesting that you kind of even say that, like, yeah, that's a signature well, win. In so, so to me, the reason it's the best one is because it meant the most. I mean, if they lose that game, the season is over. And that's not a position Carson has been in before. And this team has been in before, really. I mean, I guess his rookie year, but they were never a true playoff contender. I think maybe against, was it the Packers at home that, like, had to win that game to have a long shot? And obviously they weren't close in that one. But, I mean, you look back at that Rams game, and I would say that's probably up until he got hurt was going to be his signature win. I mean, on the road to clinch the division, good team. But he did get hurt. And also, uh, it's worth mentioning, I was when I was looking back at, at that game thinking, you know, is this Carson's best win? I mean, Nick Foles led them on two field goal drives to win that game. And so, I mean, Carson obviously gave them the lead with that touchdown to Alshon, but the Rams took it right back. And Foles did have to actually do something to win that game. It wasn't like he came in and kneeled it at the end. So Right. I mean, that one is up there, but I wouldn't say it's his best. You mentioned one in Carolina. I actually think that's his second best win just because it kind of got the team rolling last year. Uh, You know, playoff type opponent. Well, I guess they were a playoff team in Carolina. Um, I think he had three touchdowns in that game. Uh, had you know that play where he do- he kind of shouldered into the defender near the goal line. That one, yeah. that one was number two for me. I went Rams number three. Um, I had the, the one you mentioned against the Redskins as his fifth one. That was a good one, but ultimately that game didn't really end up meaning much either. I mean, it wasn't like that. Yeah, I think it moved them to six and one or something, maybe maybe nine and one. But uh, to me, the game too that you didn't mention was what about his rookie year against the Steelers? That moved him to three and zero. He had that play. That was a great goals. one. They blew him out, though. I mean, if you're talking about in terms of what you mean, they were ahead. They never lost the lead in that game. I mean, they they dominated the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. But yeah, I mean, that was the first time that people started going like, "Holy shit, this guy might actually be really well, that, special, yeah. especially nationally, and locally." Yeah. That's why, to me, that's one of the games. And again, like I'm not talking about best games. I'm talking about like signature Carson games. Where I mean, you know, when you think of other quarterbacks, I'm sure there's been games where Tom Brady has, you know, lit the Bills up for five touchdowns. But you don't think of those games when you think of Tom Brady. You know, you think of the comebacks, you think of the Super Bowls, that type of thing. I think when when you look at Carson, however this season ends, and maybe they get blown up by the Redskins next week, and we never remember this game but I do think that with everything at stake you really learned a lot about 
Carson and what he has the potential to do. Now, obviously, he has to follow that up with a big, big game against uh, Washington next week. Washington has a much better defense. It won't be Carson versus Colt McCoy. Uh, Carson won't be lining up against him. He, he, you know, he'll be playing a better Redskins defense than the Giants defense was. But I do think this was a really good step in Carson Wentz's development as a franchise quarterback. Uh, very interesting. Curious what you guys think too. At Go Bird Spot two six seven two four five sixty sixty six is uh, how you can get in. And actually, let's go there because I know there were some exciting phone calls last night. Nice, nice. Go fucking birds, baby! Hell of a win for the boys. Got Cole McCoy coming up next weekend. We're gonna get his ass too. Great play by Carson Josh Adams. Malcolm Jenkins leading the defense today, and great coaching. I gotta give it up to the birds, man. Never gave up on him once. And all the haters out there that, oh, woe is me, blah, 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 fuck you. Too late to come back. Windswagon, baby. Go, birds. Woo! Whoa, it's Tom from Vancouver, Canada. And I just want to say that, wow, two points here. You know, Jim Schwartz, we all might want to dump on him, but God, the guy actually pulled it off with a secondary that's basically like the game four preseason secondary of a team. And the hidden story of this game, which you guys will hopefully be going into, is the O-line play. Oh my god. That is what helped uh, open things up for the run game. That's what helped uh, give uh, Carson a a bit more time with the the passing game. But really, the run game O-line play was amazing. And it just shows, goes to show what Howie was saying last year, O-line and D-line, how important they are. And that is certainly the case, in my opinion, when I watch this game. Thanks, guys. Well, there you go. I mean, uh, I, 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 I wish you guys left your name on that. Please remember, leave your names on this stuff so we can listen to them. But, you know, if you are off the bandwagon, well, fuck you. There's no room for you to get back hey, on. Yeah. I always like that. And, you know, Tom, with just a nice uh, summary of the game there, we appreciate all you guys going in. And again, 267-245-6066. What did you make of... Uh, of the offensive line. I thought in parts they played really well. I thought that actually Jason Peters and Lane Johnson had really good games. I don't know overall if they played spectacular, mm-hmm. but um, I, I, uh, I I think they played pretty well yesterday, but the two tackles had a great game. Uh, so I thought just, just watching watching it live, I thought they played really well. I thought there was plenty of times where Carson was sitting back in that pocket for three, four seconds, nobody near him, plenty of time to survey the field. Uh, rewatching the game today, uh, look, I mean, certainly there were times where players were beat. I mean, Carson got beat right up, got sacked right up the middle one time, hit low. Um, you know, Josh Adams, I, I believe it was Josh Adams, had, had a pretty bad miss on a uh, blitz by the Giants that got Carson hit. Now, that's not the offensive line, but that is pass protection. Um, so I, I thought the offensive line didn't look as great on the rewatch. But live, I, I did think that there was, you know, Carson had time for, for throughout the game, even at the beginning of the game, really. I mean, when the when the offense was struggling, it wasn't so much because of a jailbreak to Carson. I, you know, the offense just really wasn't working. Um, but, you know, I thought the offensive line played well. And it's encouraging to see, especially late this late in the season. Um, I think with Jason Peters, who you mentioned, I think he was so bad at the beginning of the year that kind of the narrative around him now is he's he's not playing well. And it's hard for players to shake that narrative. But he has improved throughout the season, to his credit. I don't know if he's getting more healthy or just, just what it is getting his legs back under him after, you know, obviously his uh, ACL injury last year. But I do think he's improved as the season gone on. And as has Lane. Lane started off not great. I thought Lane had a solid game uh, yesterday. Yeah, uh, something just to kind of rewatch and check out and see. And I know that we'll probably be talking about Josh Adams and the running backs and all that moving into uh, this week against the Redskins. I am uh, curious, though, what was your kind of feel for, uh, you know, Doug was at the podium today 
did uh, did you get the sense that Jalen Mills is going to be back practicing this week? Any updates in terms of injuries and things like well, that? Well, the good news is in Doug speak, he up he was an upgrade. He went from week to week to day to day, so that's good. Um, I mean, you figure uh, Jalen got injured. I think it's been almost a month now, right? Because he got injured against the Jaguars, if I remember correctly. Um, so they had to buy a week, then they've had now three games since then. So it's been a while. Um, I would think there's a decent chance that Jalen practices one day this week. And look, like, and, you know, I've always defended Jalen. So it's, it's, you know, nothing new coming from me, but clearly his absence is, uh, is felt. And as any, any chance that we kind of thought maybe Shandon Sullivan and Devontae Bosby will come out and surprise us, that didn't happen. I mean, this cornerback situation is an issue. The good news is they have Colt McCoy and, and the Redskins receivers coming in here. But against Dallas, if you need that game, you need Jalen Mills. And I mean, Sydney hasn't played great this year, but you need him out there because Shannon Sullivan and Devontae Bosby are an extreme weak point, weak point for this defense. Yeah, my God. I mean, there are uh, – there were uh, there were times and you could see in that first half. Uh, I, I rewatched a couple of times today, and you just saw Shannon Sullivan is completely out of place on any of those passing, you know, all of those big passing plays that the Giants had. Mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, the same with uh, pretty much anybody that was around there. So it was a good thing that they did go in and simplify all that uh, to get those guys running. But they, I, I'm with you. I mean, they need Jalen Mills. They've needed Jalen Mills for a very long time. Uh, you hope that you can give him a get him back here. You hope that Sidney's back there and. I think that's honestly they just need maybe you know two fifths to, or three fifths of their secondary back, and I think they'll be okay. It's you know, funny because everyone used to want Jalen benched, and now you're seeing what the option behind Jalen was. And uh -huh. I thought James made a really good point on your guys' post game show, like the difference between an NFL every day, every down NFL player, and a guy that like is a practice squad player is just so different. And that's why that's why it always. Uh, you know, I always got into it with the anti-Jalen Mills people because they're like, he's not an NFL player. Like, no, you saw what not NFL players looked like. Jalen is an NFL player. You can argue if he's he's not a shutdown number one guy, but he's certainly a starter on the majority of teams. He's not a backup. You saw what backups looked like against the Giants. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a major, major, major difference. And uh, they can't. That's what I'm saying. That won't last. You might be able to get away with this for one more week. And that's probably it. You're going to have mm -hmm. to find find some answers or for uh, some solutions in there. Anything else that you think today was discussed that maybe people missed or didn't agree with or strongly agreed with on anything here, Elliot? It's a good question. I mean, I know you guys talked a lot about Schwartz on the post game pod. It's you know, it was you guys made some excellent points. Like the fact his adjustment adjustments he showed. I mean, when me and you did the the pregame, you know, like the preview pod, we said, will he make those adjustments? And holding them to fifty six yards in the second half. I mean, who saw that coming? The way they were just getting absolutely ran over in the first half. So that was pretty impressive. I mean, I thought that was probably Jim Schwartz' best game, maybe best game as defensive coordinator since he's got here, off the top of my head. Yeah. I mean, just considering who he was playing with and all that. So, yeah, I mean, I think he definitely deserves a, a hat tip. Um, man, the special teams were brutal again. Gave him, I mean, I know Jake, Jake Elliott obviously had the game when he kicked, but just in terms of the punt and kick return game, like they get absolutely – really nothing out of that so i thought that that remains an issue but look we're, we're back to watching doug peterson victory speeches in the locker room on twitter so can't <laughs> complain i mean he, he said it was a team win and it, it really was like the offense and the defense but man like just consistency has been such an issue i'm very interested to see how they come out next week against washington 
Uh, I mean, you know what would make the special teams better? It's a Monday night football superstar, at least tonight as we're recording this, uh, DeAndre Carter, because he's <laughs> with the Houston Texans. There we go. And that could have that uh, bolstered that too. It was funny for a time because if that game, this is what I meant to say uh, on uh, Go Bird Spot number 34, if they lost that game or if there was somewhat uh, that uh, Josh Adams was going to miss a significant amount of time mm-hmm. or the rest of the game because he got pulled into the tent on a special teams play. That's all we would have heard of today. Yep. Every single thing. Why was he out there? Why was he on special teams? Uh, just so everyone knows, Corey Clement, Wendell Smallwood, when they were quote-unquote starters, same amount of special team snaps. Yep. Didn't change anything. Like they, And you got you have to have guys that are out there. So Well, the other thing, um, too, is let me ask you, because I know you were tracking each of Golden Tate's targets on Twitter. Like I was. I was. <sighs> I mean, I'm not saying he personally makes the offense worse, but it just like it seems like every time they throw it to him, it's so forced. Like it never feels like a natural flow of the offense. It feels like they're like, let's run a golden tape play. And every golden tape play seems to be give it to him three yards from the line of scrimmage and make him miss 12 from 12 defenders. Right. I mean, am the, I wrong uh, about that? Or is that the vibe you get? Or no, Yeah, it's like the there's no feel yep. at all for it. And, and it's and again, I think. I'm I'm still sticking with my theory. There's just too many cooks in the kitchen when it comes to that of what Carson feels, of what the offensive coordinator feels, of what Doug feels, like uh, Deuce, whoever is in those meetings and talking that stuff out. And that was I think amplified. And I forget what quarter it was, but there is a there is supposed to be a quick screen uh, where uh, Golden Tate is is motioned into the backfield, yep. then comes back and loops it around, and that that quick screen is supposed to be there. Carson Wentz just stared at him like he wasn't even know what, know what to do and he's like oh yeah shit I guess I should throw this to you and almost got him killed and you're going man no one's in sync when it comes to this guy um I don't know if they're ever going to figure it out but I'll just double down on what I said this offense just needs to work and I don't care about the usage at this point you took a shot at it stop trying to force things and just see what see what works best for for this thing to go if that means hey that means your boy Jordan Matthews needs to be on the field, Ellie. Well, Jordan Matthews needs to be on the field. So I'm not getting into a Golden Tate versus Jordan Matthews debate. I'm, I'm really not. <laughs> but, like, honestly, has Golden Tate looked like at any much of an upgrade over Jordan Matthews? Over anybody. That's what I mean, right? Honestly, like, you could have just yeah, done yeah. these plays with Jordan Matthews. Like, And I'm not saying Jordan exactly. Matthews would break tackles. You would get probably the same exact results. But it's just – it's probably frustrating for the coaches and the fans to watch that – you know, you gave up a third for Golden Tate. You thought he'd make a huge difference, and he's he's really just hurt the offense. Um, but the the, la- yeah. the other point I wanted to make was um, I've heard some callers on ninety four BIP saying this today, like they, well, the only team they would have beaten yesterday is the Giants, right? Like they played really bad. The Giants kind of beat themselves. The Eagles, you know, probably didn't deserve that win. But I was thinking about this, and so last year, once Carson went down. Right. Like the Eagles didn't win pretty. No one thought they were going to win the Super Bowl. I mean, do you think Uh there was more or less optimism about last year's Eagles team without Carson or this year's Eagles team? Um, I uh, no, I'd say this team still because everybody still believed in Nick Foles, right. or at least the there's a, a large minority. If there were a large majority at that point, I don't know. I'm, we we might have been in the minority. Um, I, it had the same feel. No, I, I I really think that this team has a lot less optimism to it. But that's what. You think this? That's team where does. we're flipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But you and I feel the same way about it. We're kind of in the minority this year, and I look at this and go, "Man, I mean, the season's just begun." Yep. You know, this is this is where you kind of go make your bread and butter. And if regular season wins and how they won them 
count in the playoffs. Let me know where that is kept, mm-hmm. and uh, and it, because it doesn't matter. It does not matter. Just win football games, however you can. And if that means that you got to go up against Pat Shermer, and he forgets that OBJ is one of the best wide receivers in the land, and also forgets that Saquon Barkley cut up this team in the first half and decided not to you utilize either one of them. So be right. it. I mean. There are going to be some mistakes made on the way. That's all a part of football. It's not just what's on the field. It's also the people that are executing on that. And we know that more than anybody else this season when you have Carolina and that terrible loss. The Vikings game, which doesn't get brought up nearly enough. The uh, the Tennessee loss. Those are all not on the field things. Those are all execution things coming from the sideline as well. So, you know, um, I, I, I'm with you, Elliot. I'm... Unless they do something terrible and awful, they're going to beat the Redskins, and then I can't wait to see what happens against and, the Cowboys. That's how I feel. And you met, you brought up the Carolina and the Minnesota loss, and you know everyone's focused on the division, right? They got to win the NFC East. But man, if they would have just won one of that Carolina or Minnesota game, they would be like in pretty good shape for a wild card spot. Because yeah. I mean, Seattle looks like based off their schedule, they I mean that playing in that trash division where the 49ers and the Cardinals are just automatic wins, and I guess the Giants are pretty bad too, obviously. But the, I think Seattle will finish with ten wins. But outside of that, I mean, getting Carolina and Minnesota, I think they'll finish with nine wins. So if the Eagles could have gotten there and had a tiebreak over either of them, they really could have gotten in through the division or or the wild card. But now you would really need a, a choke job from either of those two teams to make it happen. But look to your point. Like the Eagles, they don't have to win with style points because uh, I think it, I was on the post game show yesterday um, and they said, oh, the Eagles have to play way better to win next week. Not really. I mean, the Redskins aren't very good. Like, you know, you, you can play similar to the game you played against the Giants and you probably win next week. Now you have to play better <clears throat> against the Cowboys. But, you know, who knows? Maybe the Cowboys turn in a bad game. And this whole idea of. Why even make the playoffs? Because, you know, you're just going to lose to St. Uh, that's wow, St. Louis. Because you're just going to lose to uh, <laughs> to L.A. or New Orleans. Uh, yeah. You don't have to beat New Orleans like four times, five times to match up to their win total. You just have to beat them that one day. Now, it would be very difficult. I wouldn't pick the Eagles to do it. But I think people need to take a step back from this whole – I think people expected the Eagles to be so dominant – when they're not that, you forget that the Eagles weren't dominant at the end of last season either. They barely beat that Falcons team in the divisional round. Yes, they ended up rolling on the Vikings, but then they also barely beat the Patriots. So all the Eagles have to do is get in, and after this win, they have a way better chance of getting in. Uh, I, I certainly believe that as well, and and this is just kind of got to wait and see what happens, and I know it's gonna not going to be uh, fun and everybody's going to be questioned, but that's kind of the, the fun of it. That's why uh, leading up to the Super Bowl last season, we were all wrong and right, mm-hmm. and uh, by the time I got there, it was, you know, everybody was right again. There you so, go, exactly. Uh, uh, that's uh, that's a big part of it, and we hope that uh, for you guys at least, that they keep doing it because uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun getting into the nuance and just not talking about the same thing each and every week after a loss. So, uh, Elliot, any uh, any final thoughts here? I heard, I, I heard there was a big food take coming. I'm I have waiting a food for this. take because that's, that's how we seem to always end our pods. So, yeah. as you know, I, I dabble I dabble in the vegan. You know, I've been I've been known to hit the vegan bar up at Whole Foods. A, vid- a, vid- dabbler? Da- a, a vidabbler? A dabbler, a dabbler, a dabble. <laughs> but, so I just got vegan eggs, which are, they're called just eggs. They come in like a yellow bottle. It's like a liquid. You pour it in the frying pan. And it's, it's essentially, it looks like just a yolk, but it, it doesn't have any cholesterol. You mix it up, fry it up a little bit. It tastes just like scrambled eggs. It's a game changer, man. And if you guys are out there, you, you got to try it. John, I'm going to make you some scrambled eggs and bring them in. You sound... What is it What is it made of? I'm going to tell you right now what it's, it's not made of, actually. Eggs. 
It's made out of, I'm going to pull it up. Sorry. I was just educating <laughs> some of my other friends on this. So hold on. Oh, is that right? It's, okay. it's not, right, obviously enough. not from chicken because it's 100% vegan, but it's uh, it's like a some type of bean they use. I can't find it now, of course, after all this. But um, Is it made of soybean? No, it's like a mong bean or something like that. Oh, mong beans. Yeah, yeah I know yeah. mong beans. Yeah, they, they use those. And uh, I'm telling you, man, I'll uh, I'll tweet out. I'm obviously going to tweet some pictures out because I got I to gotta let my people know too. But it tastes just like scrambled eggs. Like it really does. So that is I'm my – kidding. Mung beans make freaking uh, scrambled eggs. I would have never thought of using that at all it's, for vegan, okay, uh, vegan eggs. You know, I'm, I'm, thir- I'm 31 now, John. Like I'm getting up there. I got <laughs> to start worrying about, you know, like uh, my, my heart. Got to make sure I'm staying healthy. So I would highly recommend it and you should try it too. All right. Mung bean eggs for everybody. <laughs> and uh, with that, there's no better way to end it around the locker room right here with Elliot Shore Parks. I'm John Barchard. As always, go birds. We'll see you guys soon.